guys, you probably hear my voice right now on audio. You see me on YouTube. Do I look sick or sound sick? No. Last week was rough. Just getting over a cold, getting over the technological issues. Now we're going back to pigskin frenzy for good, full normal. Voice is back. Everything sounds good. You can obviously tell by the start of this intro, I am very, very hyped and excited to be doing the show today. Guys, welcome to Pigskin Frenzy on this wonderful Tuesday afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I'm Joel Norris. And whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, listening on Podbean and Apple, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some college football coverage presented by me now if you're watching on youtube subscribe to the channel like each episode and leave comments down below spotify podbean and apple all you have to do is just type in pigskin frenzy follow share around with others x instagram and facebook all you have to do on the socials is type in Pigskin Frenzy, follow like the pages there. You'll get episode updates. You will get news and highlights from across college and NFL football. You will get trivia questions on Instagram stories. Go and answer today's trivia question, as well as all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. Guys, we had an interesting bowl, first slate of bowl games. Now we're really getting deep into it. Okay, we're going to talk about recruiting. And I'm not just talking about transfer recruiting. We're going to talk about the transfer portal. We're going to talk a little bit, not too much, but a little bit about high school recruiting starting out of Nebraska from Georgia. You already heard the news yesterday. We're going to recap the first slate of bowl games quickly, and then we're going to move on because pretty much the majority of the episode, we're picking pretty much of the all the bowl games that I'm covering up until the national championship game, which we don't know who's going to be in the national championship yet. But... No Christmas episode and no episode next Tuesday on the 26th because of Christmas, and I will not be doing Pigskin Frenzy then. But, but, Pigskin Frenzy will live on spirit, and and this week we will do all the games before uh, next week's little mini holiday hiatus before we come back and revolt Thursday. But subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Subscribe uh, and follow on all platforms, Spotify, Apple, Podbean, and keep plugging into Pigskin Frenzy on all platforms. Now, let's just recap it, guys. Let's recap it with our, you know, first slate of ball games we covered. Not a lot. We're going to go through this pretty quick so we can get along with the games. Now, the Cure Bowl. And let me go on and tell you something. This game, man, was I was three and one coming into today. Uh, or three, one, no, two and two coming into today because I forgot about the, uh, yesterday's result in the Bahamas Bowl. So two and two coming into the day. And this is one of the games I got wrong. I picked Miami, Ohio to beat App State. I was wrong. Final score, App State 13, Miami, Ohio 9. And let me go on and tell you something. That game was full of rain, wet, and it was just full of turnovers. And we're we're going to break down everything. Sorry for the slight cough. Uh, still getting over this junk still, I guess. But Joey Aguilar from App State, 19 for 33 with 211 yards and one interception. Nine carries, 14 yards uh, with a touchdown. Anderson Castle, 12, 20 carries with 119 yards. Kanye Roberts, 10 carries with 48 yards. Caden Robinson, nine receptions with 100, 118 yards. Malachi Jack Jackson, three receptions with 35 yards. Christian Horn, two receptions with 22 yards. Eli Wilson, two receptions with 16 yards. Dalton Stroman, 10-yard reception. The defense racked up, about, racked up about three turnovers. Linebacker Caden Sullivan was the highlight on the defense with 10 total tackles. Let's go with, let's go with 
Miami, Ohio. Henry Hedson, four or five four eight with 16 yards. Maddox Cop, one for two with 28 yards. Rashad Amos, 33 carries with 180 yards and a touchdown. Keaton Mazai, four carries with 21 yards. Gage Leverdan, four receptions with 36 yards. And the defense racked up three turnovers as well. And it was led by Ty Wise with 12 total tackles and one sack. So, so, <laughs> big so, full of rain, full of turnovers. Each team was not looking to bend, and honestly, it was pretty much rained out in Orlando. There was a, not a lot of people there due to the rain and due to the weather, but these guys gave it their all in this game. They played really tough, very physical. Uh, I am not surprised with the outcome. I, I thought Miami, Ohio was going to win, but I was not going to be surprised App State pulled off that win just because of the circumstances given. Now, I mean, when you look at someone like Ty Wise, who was an underrated draft choice, by the way, at linebacker spot, uh, with 12 total tackles and a sack, even though he lost with Miami, Ohio, he still was a threat on the field. This game could have gone either way. Defensively, uh, was a was a, a phenomenon for both teams, and it was a fun spectacle to watch uh, because of the rain. 1.5 inches of rain. 1.5 inches of rain. Ha almost, listen, almost getting up there to two inches of rain. It was a lot. And it, it was just the weather wasn't perfect. It was a sloppy environment. And it's one of those things where you just can't help it, right? You just you just can't help it. That's really all I got to say about the Cure Bowl. Final score was 13-9. App State defeats Miami, Ohio. Just a little bit rainy, a little bit slippery and muddy, and a lot of turnovers, a lot of defense in this football game. Now, the L.A. Bowl. The L.A. Bowl. UCLA, Boise State. I said that uh, Boise State needed to control the ground game a little bit more with uh, Ashton Gennetti. Uh, Ashton Gennetti uh, was a, honestly, a threat this season for most defenses once they played in Boise State. But for UCLA, I picked UCLA to win this game. And for UCLA, they kind of slowed him down just a tad bit, and they won the game. Final score, 35-22. UCLA wins the LA Bowl over Boise State. Colin Schley, 11 for 16 with 78 yards and a touchdown. Seven carries with 127 yards on the ground. That's a quarterback. Seven carries with 127 yards on the ground. Ethan Garber is 9 for 12 with 152 yards and two touchdowns. Three carries with 38 yards. TJ Harden, 12 carries with 105 yards and two touchdowns. Four receptions with 26 yards. Anthony Atkins, four carries with 14 yards. Jay, Jay Michael Sturdivan, Four receptions with 142 yards and a touchdown. Kyle Ford, five receptions with 33 yards and a touchdown. Malachi Matavo, Malaki Tavavo. Uh, I said that name plenty of times before I got on the show. Got it right. Malachi Matavato. Matavato. Sorry with my wording. See, when you're a Southerner like me, ladies and gentlemen, you can add this to the show still just for comedic comedic relief. If you're a Southerner like me, you kind of you're kind of hard with some of these words. So just bear with me. Two receptions with 17 yards. Hudson Haberby. Two receptions with six yards and a touchdown. The defense racked up one turnover and was highlighted by Darius Muasayo with 11 total tackles. Boise State, George Halani, 17 carries with 138 yards and two touchdowns, 45-yard reception. Ashton Jetney, seven carry, 17 carries with 85 yards, four receptions with 17 yards. Now, 
Prince Stra- Prince Straction. Three receptions with 37 yards. Billy Bowens, three receptions with 23 yards. Safety, Alex Tubner was the main factor on defense with 12 total tackles. Now, let's break down the game so I can stop saying all these stats. Now, (laughs) I just felt like the running game in UCLA's game plan was more effective than Boise State's. And Ashton Jenny's a solid back. He's a solid back, and he's go, he most likely will go to the NFL draft as one of an as one of the most underrated prospects in the running game. Now, when you look at UCLA's ground game and what they did, it was pretty impressive. I mean, you got Colin Shalee, 11 for 16, 378 yards on uh, through the air, but on the ground, I mean, look, 127 yards with seven carries. It's a quarterback. That's a lot. That is quite a lot. So then you got TJ Harden, 105 yards on the ground. Then you have Ethan Garbers, their other quarterback with 38 yards on the ground. What they were doing on the ground was just slightly, just a tad bit more aggressive than what Boise State presented in the LA Bowl. Now, when you look at Ashton Jetney, what he did, and when you look at, I mean, obviously, when you look at when you look at CJ Tiller, when you look at uh, George Halani. And what he did, I mean, unbelievable. Those guys were unbelievable. Ashton Jitney played good, but George Halani was the main force for Boise State on the ground game. I think the running was what excited me about this game the most. But when you look at the game itself, UCLA was just clearly the better team that night. And it was, and it just showed. It showed that they were the better team that night. And Chip Kelly might have saved his job with that one. So congratulations to UCLA on winning the LA Bowl. And uh, Boise State, listen, Boise State will come back and will be stronger than ever. Going to have to find on who their next starting quarterback will be, but we'll see what they do out west next next season in 2024. Final score, 35-22. UCLA defeats Boise State in the LA Bowl. Now, it's 10 minutes in. You're thinking, we're going really quick with this. I am going really quick with it. Only because, only because we got a lot of games to cover. <laughs> and, I, and I mean, excuse me for my coughing, and I mean a lot of games to cover um, as we are have no Christmas episode next week. So just letting you guys know, we have a lot of, a lot of ground to cover here. Uh, let's go with the Independence Bowl before we go to the Bahamas Bowl because that was a crazy Bahamas Bowl, honestly. Independence Bowl. It was... Fairly interesting. I said that Texas Tech was going to win the game. Uh, I was right. Uh, Final score, 34, California, 14. Texas Tech, 34, California, 14. I thought it was going to be a lot closer, but Texas Tech ends up running away with it and wasn't even close. It was a 20-point win for the Red Raiders. Let's go with this, these stats, and we will just get into the game. Uh, B. B. Baron Morton. Baron Morton, 27 for 43 with 256 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. Todd Brooks, he played and he was electric. 21 carries with 99 yards and a touchdown. Cameron Valdez, 12 carries with 35 yards. Coy Aiken, seven receptions with 106 yards and a touchdown. Xavier White, five receptions with 61 yards. Brady Boyd, three receptions with 37 yards. Mason Tharp, three receptions with 22 yards and a touchdown. Dre McCray, three receptions with 19 yards. Locke Fonjui, Locke Fonjui, 14-yard reception. 
the defense was a force to be reckoned with with racking up four turnovers, not one, not two, and not three. I'm not trying to sound like LeBron James here, but four touchdowns. Defensive backs Braylon Lux and, Mal- and Malik Dunlap and linebacker Jacob Rodriguez were the main forces. Lux and Dunlap racked up eight total tackles, and Rodriguez racked up six tackles and a sack. Let's go with California really quick. Fernando Mendoza, 22 for 33 with 284 yards and a touchdown with three interceptions, 12 carries with six yards. Jaden Ott, 14, 15 carries with 42 yards and a touchdown with three receptions with 16 yards. Monroe Young, 13-yard carry, three receptions with 81 yards and a touchdown. Jeremiah Hunter, nine-yard carry, five receptions with 81 yards. Tron Grizel, four receptions with 83 yards. Jack injuries, three receptions with 23 yards. And the defense racked up two turnovers, but it wasn't enough to stop the Red Raiders in the end. Defensive back Patrick McMorris showed out and racked up 11 total tackles for the Golden Bears. Now, this game, to me, uh, on defense, I felt like with, like, like I said, Patrick McMorris and the Golden Bears, they played Somewhat of a good game on defense, but the offense for Texas Tech just kept pressing forward. They just would not stop. And it started to open up through the air through the run game with Todd Boyd. Todd, uh, I'm sorry, Todd with Todd Brooks. I was thinking of Brady Boyd. See, I am I am all over the place today. I apologize. Uh Todd Brooks. Todd Brooks is was an electric player during the regular season. He was a game changer for the Texas Tech Red Raiders for the regular season, and it showed in this game. He, I mean, 99 yards, even though it's not, it's uh, near 100. He is a he's a force to be reckoned with because he sets up the offense, and it's it's what made the offense click. His groundwork is what makes everybody flow through the air when you pass the ball. So Texas Tech. They played a lights-out game on offense. California tried their best on defense to try to do something. They just couldn't get the job done. It was back and forth a little bit in the first quarter. Then Texas Tech started running away with it and started, you know, putting putting the pressure and putting the heat on Cal. Fernando Mendoza was really impressive. I'm not going to lie. He was an impressive guy. He was an impressive quarterback and impressive pace in this game 284 yards and a touchdown he didn't have the best luck with the turnover department three interceptions but he showed some flashes of hey he can be a solid asset to the california golden bears so when you look when you look at fernando mendoza when you look at cal uh congratulations i'm getting to the independence bowl what you can take from this game is learn from it learn from your mistakes and what you did in this game and then move forward and then just go from there. So that's pretty much the quick recap of the game. Uh, I really like Todd Brooks in this game. I really like Fernando Mendoza in this game, even though he did throw three interceptions. Uh, he showed some flashes and some bits and pieces of being an accurate quarterback, especially uh, when it comes to the ACC. So final score, Cal 14, Texas Tech 34. Texas Tech Red Raiders win the Independence Bowl. Now, last game of the recap before we move on to high school recruiting and before we move on to the transfer portal and before we move on to bowl games, uh, let's talk about this Bahamas Bowl. (laughs) And you're going to look at me and think, if you're watching on YouTube, look at me and think, man, you're talking about the Bahamas Bowl. This is one of the, this is the best game 
out of the first weekend of bowl games. The Bahamas Bowl was, was insane. I uh, watched it yesterday. I covered it, obviously. And I was thinking, okay, here we go. Let's see what happens. I picked Old Dominion for the upset. Um, and Old Dominion uh, was up by 28 points. Then I look and I blink and I'm like, why is this game going into overtime? Old Dominion blew a 28-point lead, goes into overtime with Western Kentucky, and lost. They lost the game. Final score, Western Kentucky 38, Old Dominion 35 in the Bahamas Bowl. And it's all thanks to Caden Veltkamp from Western Kentucky. He played like a madman this game. 40 for 52. Let me just read these stats. 40 for 52 with 383 yards and five touchdowns with one interception. 19 carries with 53 yards. 40 for 52 with 383 yards and five touchdowns. That's ridiculous. Davian Irvin Poindexter, six carries with 24 yards and three receptions with two, 10 yards. Elijah Young, eight carries with 14 yards, three receptions with 48 yards and a touchdown. Jimmy Holiday, four receptions with 93 yards. Dalvin Smith, nine receptions with 77 yards and three touchdowns. Easton Messer, seven receptions with 68 yards. KJ, KD Hutchinson, 15-yard touchdown reception. Craig Burt Jr., seven receptions with 34 yards. River, uh, River Helms, five receptions with 26 yards. Malachi Corley, four receptions with 26 yards. And the defense played very tough and very physical for Western Kentucky, especially in the second half of this game. Let's go with Old Dominion really quick. Grant Wilson, 13 for 22 with 123 yards and a touchdown with one interception. Eight carries with 126 yards and two touchdowns. Keyshawn Wicks, 10 carries with 37 yards. Kadarius Callaway, 10 carries with 29 yards and a touchdown. Isaiah Page, four receptions with 63 yards and a touchdown. Dominic Dutton, three receptions with 23 yards. Kelby Williams, three receptions with 23 yards and the defense played a strong first half but just couldn't finish anything and couldn't get anything going in the second half now here we go here we go it was old dominion 28 nothing and then 28 7 so it was a 21 point lead around half and then Western Kentucky just in the second half just kept going and kept going and kept pushing. You want to know of a of a thing about how not to give up? Look at what Western Kentucky did yesterday on Monday, and that is a motivation of not giving up. Not giving up and trying to win a football game. And guess what? They did it. The Hilltoppers did it. They finished their season strong. Old Dominion did not finish their season strong, unfortunately. But when you look at you know the game itself old dominion clearly was the was the best team out there on the field today until western kentucky took over in the second half and old dominion took their foot off the gas and just let old dominion and let western kentucky just cook five touchdowns five touchdowns for caden veltkamp to help them win a 28 point deficit and overcome a 28 point deficit in overtime 38-35 this game, in my opinion, that's how I recap it, is a clear sign of not giving up. And Western Kentucky did not give up. Old Dominion, they made it. They have nothing to hang their hat on except for the fact that they did give up such a big lead in overtime. They had the game won. They had it in the bag. It, was a, it wasn't even close. And Western, they let Western Kentucky come back. And Western Kentucky just 
hey, just what happened was in the second half, Western Kentucky just had their way. They had their way with them. Old Dominion didn't took the focus off, took the gas off, and just let them go. And it was just that was one of those games in the Bahamas Bowl. Final score, Western Kentucky 38, Old Dominion 35. That was the Bahamas Bowl. And that was my little quick recap of the first week of in slate of bowl games. We're going to talk about, we're 19 minutes, about to be 20 minutes into the show. We're going to go over transfer portal. We're going to go over a little bit of high school recruiting, talk about the rankings and where everything stands right now before we hit up these bowl games because Again, I've never done this on the show, but we got some games to cover. We got a lot of games to cover here. This is bowl season. This is bowl frenzy. So here we go. Enjoy, not bowl mania, because this is pigskin frenzy, bowl frenzy. Now, let's talk about the transfer portal, and let's hook up with a lot of who's going where and a lot of what's happening uh, heading into 2024. Transfer portal news, USC five-star quarterback Malachi Nelson, who was recruited there last year and backed up, Caleb Williams this season is entering the transfer portal. This comes out of the heels of the news that Kansas State transfer quarterback Will Howard will transfer to USC. Will Howard will become a Trojan next year. He will be in the Big Ten, and he will most likely start for Lincoln Riley's offense at USC and take over for Caleb Williams uh, coming in to next year. So, LSU will be getting a taste of Will Howard and, let, and again, another taste of Will Howard because they already played him in 2021 in the, in the Texas Bowl. So let's see what we'll see what they do with USC as they get ready for, you know, LSU in 2024. But Malachi Nelson entering the portal. That's a huge loss if you're USC. He is a solid asset to your football team, don't you think? And I, I, when you look at it, it's one of those things where, okay, he was the clear-cut starter until – they were diving into the portal for a quarterback. And he's like, wait, what? I thought I was going to get the, the, the nod uh, this coming up year in the Big Ten when Caleb Williams leaves. Now they go out and get graduate transfer Will Howard, and it's like all of a sudden he's he's going to be on the bench again. Malachi Nelson is a very talented quarterback, and he wants an opportunity to shine. So I do not blame him for entering the portal. Uh, it's kind of a tough break for you know USC to let a Malachi Nelson go because of the talent and the athleticism he brings to the football field. And he's a true leader. He was a true leader for his high school team when he was a senior, and it, it is tough to see and tough to let go there. Malachi Nelson entering the portal. Will Howard going to USC. Now, UCLA five-star quarterback Dante Moore has found a home, and he is transferring to Oregon with three years left of eligibility. This comes off the heels of Dylan Gabriel, like I said last week, going to Oregon. Dylan Gabriel most, most likely will start, and then Dante Moore will take over after Dylan Gabriel leaves in 2024. So Dylan Gabriel will have one year at Oregon. Dante Moore will take over for the next three, two to three years after, and Dan Lanning is cooking. He's not only cooking in high school recruiting, he's cooking in the portal. Dan Lanning and Oregon are doing something. Uh, just because they went 11-2 and two and lost in the Pac-12 championship game, they're still in the Fiesta Bowl for a reason. Do not count out Dan Lanning and Oregon. This is a team, and this is a program, where it is uh, ran with a mindset of, of a, a guy who was under the Saban tree. He was under the Saban tree with, went with, with Kirby as an assistant. And then he became an assistant with Kirby on his staff at Georgia, the defensive coordinator at Georgia, then went to Oregon. 
in two seasons, two seasons, he played for a Pac-12 championship game, the last Pac-12 championship game as we know it. They're going to the Big Ten. They have a top 10 recruiting class, top five recruiting class last season. And, and they get two big-time quarterback pickups for the portal. They're number six currently in the transfer portal rankings. This is a this is a program that is on its way of consistently being a championship contender. And I would just take note of what Dan Lanning's doing in Eugene, just just so you know. That's my thoughts on Oregon. I would just take some notes on what Dan Lanning's doing in Eugene. Ohio State transfer quarterback Kyle McCord has made a decision. He is not going to Nebraska, and he is not going to Ohio State again. He is transferring to Syracuse, a big shocker there. New head coach, defensive back head coach, uh, defensive back coach from Georgia, Fran Brown, became the new head coach at Syracuse, and he will take in Kyle McCord, and that is his big first acquisition for Syracuse going into 2024. Kyle McCord going to the ACC and playing up in New York in the Orange Dome. I cannot wait to see that. That's going to be interesting. Kyle McCord playing at Syracuse. Now, when you look at this, uh, this all boils down to why he transferred, and that is he wasn't very... The correct word would be he wasn't very well received and he was had a lot of pressure on him he had to throw for a certain amount of yards he had to do this he had to do that and Ohio State put a lot of pressure on him he had a lot of pressure on him and a lot of people did not give him the proper respect for what he did this season he led Ohio State to an 11 and one season he led them to a uh, second second place spot in the east in the big 10 and uh, he pretty much led him to the Cotton Bowl against Missouri. He pretty much led him to the Cotton Bowl. He's not playing in the Cotton Bowl now. Obviously, he transferred to Syracuse, but he led them to that game. They just did not give him a lot of credit, a lot of credit that he deserved and a lot of credit that he uh, presented to Ohio State in their offense. Uh, how did Marvin Harrison play so good at winning Belitnikoff? Who threw to him? Kyle McCord. So it's one of those things where he did not get enough proper respect, uh, especially after that Michigan game and after he threw those couple of interceptions in the Michigan game. So Kyle McCord transferring to Syracuse. Um, congratulations to him and hopefully finds a good start and a fresh start up in New York. The two of these are interesting, and there's a lot of them that's interesting, but two of these quarterback spots are interesting. Mississippi State transfer quarterback Will Rogers is transferring to Washington. He is replacing Michael Penix Jr. next season in Seattle. What a pickup for Kalen DeBoer and the Washington Huskies as they transition into the Big Ten. Will Will Rogers will be also. He is second in all-time passing in the SEC. Will Rogers is electric, and he was electric under Mike Leach. And hopefully, he's under a system to where he can rule the roost, so to speak, and get back to his roots, and that's throwing the football at a high-caliber level. Because Will Rogers is excellent throwing the football. He did it well in Mississippi State, and he did it well with Mike Leach. He had some close calls where he could have won some games, especially against, like, LSU. He won the Egg Ball last year against Ole Miss. He, I mean, he had some close games to where he could turn it around. But now, with the talent, at Washington, and with the coach and with the scheme and everything that's set up there, 
he could be destined for success up in Seattle. So it's one of those things as a graduate transfer. He graduates from state and then goes as a graduate transfer to play some college football in Washington. Let's see what happens in Washington, and let's see what happens next year in the Big Ten with Will, Will, Will Rogers going to Seattle. That's going to be interesting to see. Duke, quarter, Duke transfer quarterback Riley Leonard is transferring to Notre Dame. Uh, a man that took a hard hit and, and, and <clears throat> hurt his ankle against Notre Dame is now joining Notre Dame next season. He is a, a phenomenal a- asset to the team, and he will be a phenomenal asset to Notre Dame's offense. Marcus Freeman picks up another big transfer quarterback, Sam Hartman, this year. Riley Leonard next year, and Riley Leonard is going to look to make an impact immediately up in South Bend. Good pickup there for Marcus Freeman and the Fighting Irish. Arkansas transfer running back Raheem Rocket Sanders is transferring to South Carolina. Good on Shane Beamer. Uh, they needed a running back, and they needed something to bring some 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 spark to the running game. And what better way to do that than the second best running back? or third best running back, technically, in the SEC in Raheem Rocket Sanders. He's top three, along with Cody Schrader and Quinshawn Judkins. And when you look at, I mean, Raheem Sanders and what he's done, he's just unbelievable, man. He is a he is literally a rocket. He, he's fast, he's shifty, and uh, he brings a little bit of power to his groundwork and his ground game. So Raheem Sanders... Transferring to South Carolina, the Gamecocks needed a running back, and they got him with Raheem Sanders. South Carolina transfer wide receiver Juice Wells is transferring to Ole Miss. Big-time pickup there for the Rebels and for Lane Kiffin. They already have loaded talent coming back with Jackson Dart, Trey Harris, Jordan Watkins, and Dayton Wade. Now they're adding another receiver to that already loaded locker room with Juice Wells. And Juice Wells going into this year, along with Malik Neighbors, was one of the best in the conference. And now he for sure will probably be one of the best going in this season. He's got, I mean, you got Trey Harris on one side, Dayton Wade, Jordan Watkins, and now Juice Wells. Take your pick on who you're going to guard. Ole Miss is going to be a team next year that when you look at them, you're going to have to play them once again, but you're going to have to think this could, they could actually, they may, hey, they may not be one of the top two seeds in the SEC, but they may go to the playoffs. In the 12-team playoff, they may can sneak in next season due to the talent that they got on offense. We're going to get into Ole Miss a little bit later for the Peach Bowl, but man, I would keep an eye out for Ole Miss next year, especially for adding guys like Juice Wells. Another notable name that I would expect to see and hear from in Ole Miss's circle is Walter Nolan, Texas A&M defensive lineman, transfer defensive lineman, Walter Nolan, five-star player, and he was electric and physical for the past two seasons. He's currently the number one rated D lineman in the transfer portal and number one rated player in the portal, and Ole Miss can for sure hook in another big fish. So let's see what happens uh, down the stretch as Walter Nolan keeps taking visits for Oregon and with Ole Miss. Alabama transfer wide receiver Ja'Cory Brooks is transferring to Louisville. Good pickup there. Louisville is in desperate need of some receivers. Jamari Thrash may not be there much longer. And you got to add some some more depth to your receiving room. And Ja'Cory Brooks was a liable asset when Bryce Young was at Alabama. And what he did at Bama was pretty good. Uh, Louisville's hopping into the portal and they're dipping in to some of these players, and some of these players are buying in to what Jeff Brom's preaching, and I like it. 
I, I, I really do. I like what Louisville's doing in the portal. I like what Louisville's doing in recruiting uh, and what Jeff Brom's doing up there. So good acquisition and good pickup uh, for Jeff Brom and the Cardinals. They're going after Ja'Cory Brooks for next season. And last but not least, Texas A&M transfer tight end Jake Johnson is transferring to North Carolina with his brother. So that's pretty good there. Uh, he's transferring to go play tight end for the Tar Heels with his brother. Max Johnson may become the next starting quarterback for the Tar Heels in Matt Brown's system in the ACC. So let's see what happens there. Jake Johnson going to North Carolina uh, with Max Johnson. So here's the transfer portal rankings. And let's just talk about this for a second. Right outside the top 10 are Kentucky and Wisconsin. And what they're doing at the portal is electric. I mean, Jamori Macklin, North Texas wide receiver, transferred to Kentucky. Brock Vandegrift from Georgia, transferred to Kentucky. Kentucky's doing some stuff. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke, a huge name uh, out of Miami, is now transferring to Wisconsin. So what they're doing in the portal is awesome, too. So, uh 10 and 11, respectively, Kentucky and Washington. Number 10, Washington. Uh, after that big pickup for Will Rogers, I mean, that, that's going to be something there. So, number 10, Washington. Number 9, Notre Dame. Number 8, Texas Tech. Number 7, TCU. Number 6, South Carolina. Those three teams are do, putting up some work in the portal there, and they have earned these rankings. NC State, number 5. Arizona State, number 4. Picking up some good some. Good recruits, actually, is Arizona State. Louisville, number three. Deion Sanders in Colorado, the bus, they're number two. They are picking up a lot of steam heading in to their first season in the Big 12 in 2024. And number one, Ole Miss. Ole Miss right now is the number one recruiting transfer class uh, for the 2024 season and what they're doing. I mean, they are getting some guys. They are adding up on their pieces. Even though they already have enough pieces on offense, they're adding up to more pieces and building up depth. And it's uh, going to be exciting to see what Ole Miss does next season. That's the transfer portal. That's the transfer rankings. Let's go into recruiting news really quick before we talk about these bowl games because we got 33 minutes and it's going to take up a little bit of our time. So well, let's just talk about, you know, recruiting and let's talk about everything going on a little bit in high school. Uh, nothing big besides the five-star quarterback Dylan Rayola and his news. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about the rankings really quick and not spend too much time on it, but we're going to just talk about it a little bit because we're going to have plenty of chances to talk about recruiting, especially in February as we get ready to National Signing Day. We're going to have we're going to try to have a National Signing Day episode here for Pigskin Frenzy for College. So five-star quarterback Dylan Rayola uh, was committed to Georgia, he was dead set on Georgia, but there have been some rumors that he was opening up his recruitment a little bit, and he was going to talk to Nebraska. Matt Rule in Nebraska trying to dip into high school recruiting, trying to dip in to see what they can get, and they landed a big fish because he landed in Nebraska, and he felt comfortable there. So five-star quarterback Dylan Raiola has flipped his commitment from Georgia to Nebraska. He is now officially committed to Nebraska. He will... Signed in Nebraska, be an early day enrollee, signed for Nebraska, and play for them in the Big Ten. Uh, Dylan Raiola has a best chance to start, and this comes off the heels for Georgia as Carson Beck will return to Georgia in the 2024 season. I'm just dropping news from left and right, but they're they're coming at all. We're coming from all angles here, but George, uh, Carson Beck is returning for going the NFL draft, going to play one more year, but Dylan Raiola has a chance to start this season. 
at Nebraska. So he had the best opportunity to start and play. He liked what Nebraska was doing. He liked what Matt Rule was doing. So why not? Right? Why not? Dylan Raiola going to Nebraska instead of Georgia. Big time pickup there for Nebraska. Nebraska is not even in the top 10, though, in recruiting. Georgia is still number one in recruiting. Even though they just lost the number one quarterback in the 2024 class, Georgia is still number one because of the talent that they're picking up ahead in high school. They have like about about seven, I think they have six five-stars currently uh, committed to the Bulldogs right now. So in recruiting right now, and here are the early rankings for high school as we get into National Signing Day, early National Signing Day this week. Georgia, number one. Ohio State, number two. Alabama, number three. Number four, Florida State. Number five, Texas. Number six, Oregon. Number seven, Florida. Number eight, Miami. Number nine, Oklahoma. Number 10, Auburn. And right outside at 11 and 12, respectively, are Notre Dame and LSU. Now, when you look at the big part of this recruiting rankings and the big part of this list, we're going to talk about this. Uh, It's the battle for the state of Florida. And uh, I mentioned this about Florida on a few episodes back of Pigskin Frenzy. Go back and listen to it. Um, And uh, I've heard a lot of other reporters and analysts mention and uh, media personalities mention that the recruiting in the state of Florida right now is a key battle, uh, especially for Florida. And I want to get into that here right now. Uh, Florida State number four, Florida number seven, Miami number eight. And the recruiting there is highly competitive and it, it, it for Florida and for Billy Napier they're going to have to find a way to beat out Florida State and Miami and recruit at a high level in state for high school recruits and get guys in there um a recruiting class, a solid recruiting class for 2024 by year 3 by Billy Napier has been was was guaranteed at one point and i've been hearing some rumblings that right now it's been a little bit hearsay kind of and i'm hoping that's not the case because florida really needs this recruiting class and um prime example the number uh one of the the top quarterback prospects in the top five quarterback prospect in 2024 is none other none other than dj lagway from florida so dj lagway uh was co- is committed to florida but there's been rumors of him thinking about decommitting and all this stuff and i'm hoping that's not the case but as of now as of now fact check as of now he is still committed to the university of florida but uh picking him up and building the class around him is a key for florida uh and to not people have de- people decommit or flip their commitments and go somewhere else and open up the recruiting process for elsewhere. Florida at the number seven spot is a good way to to, to, to kick off early National Signing Day. But how is it going to end in February? How is it going to end in February? Are they going to finish in the top 10? Are they going to finish uh, outside the top 15, the top 50? Who knows? But Florida right now needs this recruiting class because it's going to depend on it, especially for security of jobs and for especially going into this 2024 season for the SEC because the SEC schedule reveal happened last week. We all saw it, and let me go on and tell you something. It's a tough schedule out there. It's a tough schedule out there for Florida, and I think a good recruiting class for for Florida is – suffice now for florida state and miami they also need to be competitive in the state of florida when it comes to recruiting because 
there's multiple ways of talent coming from different states. California, Georgia, Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas, for sure, everywhere. Uh, Florida is one of those states. It's one of those states where talent just comes in. And uh, getting talent in Miami and Florida State is big. Um, and, and it's one of those things where you're going to have to figure out a way to be competitive in this field and figure out how to lure them to your program. Figure, figure out how to bring some of that swag to Miami back to lure some of these top talent in. Talk about what happened with Jordan Travis with Florida State this year and how they can try to make a run at 13-0 and be a part of something great at Florida State. Uh, sales pitch them on palm trees, flip-flops, and shorts and sell them on the state of Florida and what makes their the university so special in Florida. Florida, very highly competitive battleground for, for, for recruiting in the top 10 this year. I would keep an eye on those three schools and where each of them are going to finish in February. So let's just figure that out in February. That's my little bit of a TED talk about recruiting and the transfer portal. And let's move on and conclude today's episode of Pigskin Frenzy for the next I don't know. We'll hope maybe 20 minutes, I guess, of bowl games. Uh, hopefully it won't take that long, but let's see. Bowl games and preview predictions to conclude this episode of Pigskin Frenzy. Gasparilla Bowl, Georgia Tech versus UCF. Uh, that's happening Friday. And let me go on and tell you something, guys. It's Christmas, by the way. Merry Christmas. I didn't even wear my Christmas sweater. Uh, it's Christmas time. Bowl season's in the air. It's bowl frenzy. I can't wait for it. And we're going to kick it off with a very interesting showdown for UCF here and what they have to do. They have to, find, uh, they have to figure out a way to trip up Georgia Tech on third down. And they're 34th in third down completion percentage. So I would highly suggest using that to your advantage. Uh, getting Georgia Tech off the field and tripping them up on third downs and not let them not let them happen and slip on third down for Georgia Tech. For Georgia Tech, you're gonna have to find a way to slow down John Rice Plumley in this offense because in, in total offense and FBS, they're seventh, seventh in total offense and FBS in college football. So you're going to have to find a way to slow down John Rice Plumley in this offense from scoring points, and you're going to have to find a way to capitalize on trying to slow them down, if that makes sense. So who wins this ball game? I think it's going to be close. I think that UCF does enough to beat Georgia Tech and ice this one and go 7-6. and six. UCF by a score of 34-28. to 28. UCF 34, Georgia Tech 28, 7 and 6 UCF, Georgia Tech 6 and 7, and they both finished their seasons on a little bit of a learning note and good note because listen, UCF had a had a had a okay run in the Big 12, but now it's going to have to try to tune it up a little bit. Georgia Tech they're on the right path. They're on the right path. Brent Fry's not doing he he, he didn't he hadn't, he hadn't played bad. He hadn't coached bad. First year, let's see what Georgia Tech does next season. So UCF wins it 34-28 in the Gasparilla Bowl. Next up, the Armed Forces Bowl. James Madison versus Air Force. This matchup's intriguing uh, it, because it's <clears throat> because it's a 11-1 and one James Madison out of 8-4 and four Air Force. Both of these two teams in the group of five were highly electric. James Madison played really good football. They won the Sun Belt in Air Force. 
obviously in the Mountain West, pretty good football team. That's all I got to say. Pretty good football team, especially on the ground. And that's what we're going to talk about. For Air Force, you got to establish that rushing offense. You're second in rushing offense. And running the football, you were second overall in college football. So if I'm if I'm the Falcons here, I'm establishing the run game. I'm running it down their throats, and I'm picking up yard after yard on the ground to try to tire that defense out and to try to make them, you know, make them quit by running the football and putting and keeping it on the ground. So uh, that's my that's my take. Have a balanced attack if you're Air Force on the ground. For James Madison, you got to limit their time of possession. Air Force and time of possession is good because of their rushing, their ground game and their rushing attack. They like to keep it on the ground and they like to keep the ball at a slow pace. 10th in time of possession. They are 10th in time of possession. They like that a lot. So do not play into Air Force's mode. You limit their time of possession. You slow down the run and you play to your strength. That's a little bit more up-tempo, a little bit faster style of play. You do not play to Air Force strengths. You will lose if you play to Air Force strengths. Who do I have one in this ball game? Air Force will win because they're going to play to their strengths. <laughs> I think Air Force will win this ball game. Uh, I just wanted to add that in there because I was talking about what I was talking about. But Air Force wins this game. They go to nine and four in their season and they beat James Madison. I think the time of possession is going to get to James Madison. And I think that their ground game is going to be a little bit too much for the Dukes to handle. So give me Air Force. I like Air Force finishing their season nine and four. James Madison going 11 and two uh, until Bob Chesney from Holy Cross comes into James Madison and coaches him up next season to another, you know, fantastic, fantastic year. So, Here's what I got. Score, Air Force 24, James Madison 20. Air Force 24, James Madison 20. Air Force gets the win and wins the Armed Forces Bowl. Now, the Las Vegas Bowl, a very interesting football game here. Utah versus Northwestern. And Northwestern, how about the season that David Braun has had? Interim coach going into the season after Pat Fitzgerald was fired due to uh, misconduct and assault allegations and hazing allegations earlier in the offseason. They go from 1-11 and to 7-5. and What a turnaround for the Northwestern Wildcats. And they finish second in the Big Ten West in the, in the Big Ten, in West in the Big Ten, only behind Iowa. Second. What a turnaround for Northwestern. Seven and five. They play Utah, and hey, Utah's on a no slouch either. They're eight and four. Kyle Winningham is going to have them ready in Las Vegas. Four <clears throat> for Utah. You got to play dominant defense. You got to slow down the run because you're fourth in rushing defense. And basically, just play to your strengths. Play to your strengths here. Slow down the run. Play some good defense. Maybe keep it a little bit low scoring on your side of the things. And then let's see what you can do and open up that offensive playbook a little bit more. You're fourth in rushing defense. Slow down the run and play dominant defense against the Wildcats. And for Northwestern, you got to figure out a way to pressure Bryson Barnes. Bryson Barnes will make his last start for Utah. He will be transferring after this game. He is he is going to play and stick with Utah for the bowl game and then transfer right after that. So Bryson Barnes, figure out a way to pressure him and put some pressure on Bryson Barnes into, you know, making some mistakes like he did against Arizona and like he did against Oregon and just pressure him and make him think and make him 
feel right, I guess, make him feel uh, like he's in trouble. And I think that's what Northwestern needs to do here. Who do I have one in this ball game? I think it's going to be a lot closer than the experts advertise. I think Northwestern's going to put up a fight. They're going to put up a fight, and they're going to win, and they're going to come close to winning. I think Utah wins. It's going to be a lot closer than advertised, but give me Utah beating Northwestern by a score of 28-24. Utah 28, Northwestern 24. Utah gets the win, finishes their season 9 and 4. North uh, uh 9 and 4 Northwestern finishes their season 7 and 6. Heartbreaker for Northwestern, but not really a heartbreaker because 7 and 6, I'm taking that if I'm a Northwestern fan. I am taking that. The Duke's Mayo Bowl, North Carolina versus West Virginia. Uh 8 and 4 versus 8 and 4. How about Neil Brown? Neil Brown was in trouble this season, folks. He was in trouble. Uh everyone was writing him off. I was one of those people. I didn't think he was going to last this season, if I'm being completely honest, but he turned it around and they're 8 and 4 in the Duke's Mayo Bowl and they now have a shot at capitalizing. No Drake May. Drake May Drake May has declared for the NFL draft. He will not play for North Carolina in the game. Connor Harrell, freshman quarterback, is expected to start the game. And it's gonna be it's gonna be something interesting to keep an eye on uh, as we transition to a newer style of play for North Carolina in this game for all offense. So for North Carolina, just to start off with, I wouldn't transition to a newer style of play. I would Bring a newer. I would bring the same style of play that you had, and that's running the football. I would run the football with Doak Walker finalist Amari and Hampton. Amari and Hampton is an animal, and I would feed him, uh, not to the max, but I would feed him as much as you can to be comfortable enough to open up a little bit of more room to throw the football. And Amari and Hampton can set that up for you. So if I'm North Carolina, I am running the football with Amari and Ham- Ham- Hampton, and you know keeping the run there and and just opening it up the run game and establishing that uh, for North Carolina's offense. For West Virginia, you just got to pressure Connor Harrell. Pressure him. He hadn't played a lot, so I would find a way to pressure him and make him into making some mistakes, just like Bryson Barnes, like I said about him. You pressure him, make him make some mistakes, and try to win the game defensively if you're West Virginia. Just try to win the game defensively. Who do I have winning this ball game? I think it's going to be an interesting game. Game. I think it's going to be a game where you look at it and you're like, uh, wow, this is very underrated. I think no Drake May is going to be an issue. And that is why I'm going to sing the song. I belong. Take me home to a play. Okay, now you don't want to hear me sing. Final score, West Virginia 28, North Carolina 17. I belong, West Virginia, Mountain Mama, take me home, Country Road. West Virginia gets the win. They go back home to Country Road, 28-17 against North Carolina. West Virginia wins the Dukes Mayo Bowl, 28-17 against North Carolina. And you're probably thinking right now, Joel, if you sing again, we're not going to listen to Pigskin Frenzy. I am sorry. I won't do it again. Maybe. Uh, the Holiday Bowl. West Virginia beats North Carolina. The Holiday Bowl. Louisville, USC. This game's interesting. And it's interesting because one, Kayla Williams is not playing. But neither is Jahar Jordan for Louisville. So two of the best players on this team are not really playing. Um, I think it's going to be interesting because Louisville coming off of a 10-3 and season. 
ACC champion runner-ups, plays a 7-5 USC team that uh, has lost Malachi Nelson, has lost Caleb Williams, and has a, a maybe has a direction to where they need to go at quarterback. Miller and, and this enters Miller Moss. Miller Moss most likely will be the quarterback for this game. So some quick keys here. Uh, if you're Louisville, you went on the line of scrimmage. You play physical football like you did uh, in a lot of your games this season in the ACC. You play physical football, and I think if you if you can out physical USC, you can get the job done. If you're USC, you got to start fast. You got to figure out a way to get Marshawn Lloyd in the game. You got to figure out a way to get the running game going uh, and just start fast and playing fast pace. Uh, and and they're trying to get everything going, and that's how you win. Play up to what Lincoln Riley preaches, and you should be okay. Who wins this ball game? Uh, I think it's going to be close. Um, I actually have Louisville in this one. I think Louisville gets the job done, and I favor Louisville in this one. Louisville wins 35-31. Louisville 35, USC 31. USC goes to 7-6. Louisville goes to 11-3 and ends their season on a high note, 11-3 in the Holiday Bowl, and USC goes to 7-6 as they get ready for 2024. Now, the Texas Bowl. Texas A&M. Oklahoma State, 75, Texas A&M, 9-4, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State coming off of a huge loss to Texas in the Big 12 title game. But A&M is also coming off of a huge loss to LSU in their last game of the regular season. But A&M is looking for an eight-win eight season. An eight-win season, and they could get that against a, a pretty solid Oklahoma State team. Uh, for A&M, big key here, and it's just like I said about everybody else with Oklahoma State, contain and slow down Ollie Gordon II. He is the Doak Walker running back award winner for a reason. The best running back in college football. He is the leading rusher in college football. He makes this offense go, and he makes the ground game work. He is an electric runner, and he could do something here. So if you're Ollie Gordon, and if you're A&M, Ollie Gordon needs to run the ball, but A&M, slow him down. I'm looking at you guys. Slow down. Slow him down. Figure out a way to not let it do. Pull a play page out of your rival Texas's book and figure out a way to slow him down. That's my key on that. Slow down Ollie Gordon the second. And for Oklahoma State, you got to match Texas A&M's physicality. If you match their physicality here. You have a shot at doing this. You got to match them up front. I'm just going to say this: A&M is one of the most physical football teams in college football. Not only in college football in the SEC, but they are very physical. Uh, they're up there with Alabama and Georgia when it comes to physicality. And I think this is going to be a very ga physical game for Oklahoma State. And if they want to win, they got to match that intensity with A&M up front. So if you look at it and break it down, that's what it is. Physical, physical game, and if he can slow down Ollie Gordon. Who wins this ball game? Back and forth. Uh, I think it's going to be a close one until the very end. Uh, I like Oklahoma State in this one by a little bit, and I'm talking about by a field goal. I think Oklahoma State beats Texas A&M by a field goal. We're going to make it 34-31. Oklahoma State 34, Texas A&M 31. A&M goes to 7-6, and six, and Oklahoma State goes to 10-4 and four in the Texas Bowl, and Ollie Gordon gets his yards, but I think A&M out-physicals. Oklahoma State until the very end where Oklahoma State catches catches up on them and surprises them with a field goal, 34-31, giving the Cowboys against Texas A&M. The Alamo Bowl. 
Uh, we're almost done here, guys. I'm sorry. We're almost done. Uh, the Alamo Bowl, Arizona, Oklahoma. Uh, these are some more questions than keys, really. But, I mean, questions for keys, nonetheless. For Arizona and for Oklahoma, who can get off the races first? Who can get off to the races first? Who can start fast first? Both of these offenses and defenses are top 20 offenses and top 40 defenses. They're score fests. This is going to be a score fest. I mean, Noah Fafita, uh, Jackson, Arnold. I mean, it's going to be a score fest. And who's going to play better on defense? And who's going to get off to the races and start off on offense fast? Uh, for defense, who's got to make the crucial stops? That's a big key here. Who is going to make the crucial stops on defense in this football game. Jed Fish has done an amazing job with this Wildcat team. Uh, I like where they're headed, uh, especially when they go to the Big 12. I really like where they're headed. OU, their final game uh, in the Big 12 in football and their final game uh, as a Big 12 member in a bowl game. Uh, they could move to the SEC uh, in 2024. So let's see how it ends. I mean, it's going to be interesting. OU, Arizona. Who do I have one in this ball game? Oklahoma gets the job done, but not by much. I like Jed Fish a lot. I respect Arizona. I think Arizona's going to make it a game and make it very competitive. But I'm going to have to take Oklahoma to win this game close, very close, uh, by a touchdown. And it's going to be by a score of 42-35. Oklahoma, 42. Arizona, 35. And they get the job done, and they get the they get the, the Alamo Bowl win uh, here in El Paso. So Alamo Bowl or Alamo Bowl, sorry, San Antonio. San Antonio. Oklahoma beats Arizona 42-35, moves to 11 and 2. Arizona goes to 9 and 4. Now, Gator Bowl, Clemson versus Kentucky. Very underrated game. Kentucky uh, Clemson 8 and 4, Kentucky 7 and 5. They both got good wins to end their season. Uh South Carolina and Louisville respectively. Uh when you look at the game uh, for Clemson, they got to win on the line of scrimmage. They got just got to play tough. They got to play physical and a lot more physical than Kentucky. Um, they just got to play with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder up front and play very physical and very tough. I think if they do that, they should have no problems winning this game, honestly. Uh, for Kentucky, Devin Leary needs to hit the weak points of this Clemson defense. Find your matchups. Find the, the weak spots of the Clemson's defense and find those holes and throw the ball into them and capitalize on it. Uh, that's what I would do if I am, if I'm Devin Leary and that's how you're going to win and find your matchup. And that's how you're going to beat Clemson. If you just focus and hit the wit, the weak points of the Tigers defense, who wins this ball game? Give me Clemson. <laughs> Give me Clemson close. I think it's going to be Clemson. 24, Kentucky 17 is how I look at it. Clemson 24, Kentucky 17. I think it's going to be more of a defensive game, a mid-range to defensive style of game. I think Clemson does just enough and wins on the line of scrimmage. It is a little bit more physical than Kentucky, and they beat them 24-17. They got a 9-4. Kentucky goes to 7-6, and uh, and Clemson gets a Gator Bowl win. The Relia Quest Bowl, LSU-Wisconsin. If you're Tanner McLeary for Wisconsin, I'm looking and smiling at who you got 
on New Year's because of the defense. And this is what kind of worries me about this, this game. Uh, this, is a, this is a little bit of a tricky game for LSU. The do not let the 7-5 fool you, okay? Uh, don't let them fool you. You're playing a consistently in-it-to-win-it team with, with Wisconsin with a consistently in-it-to-win-it coach in Luke Fickle. Um, and Luke Fickle knows a little something about Mike Dimbrock and his offense because he coached with him in Cincinnati, and they went to the playoffs together uh, in 2021 going into 2022. So it's going to be interesting to see. But uh, for this game, uh, LSU 9-3, Wisconsin 75, the keys to this game are pretty pretty simple. Uh for LSU, you got to play dominant on the line of scrimmage, and you you have to play. And I'm talking about on the offensive line for sure, uh, on the O line, and hopefully the defensive line for LSU. You got to play, you know, physical, out physical Wisconsin. If you can out physical them, uh, the offense will speak for itself because it is the number one offense in college football. Obviously, so uh, and you, you just got to let Garrett Nussmeyer cook. Jaden Daniels is not in this game. He is he is opted out of this football game. He will focus and transition to the NFL. Garrett Nussmeyer in the future uh, will start now, and he will play and start this game against Wisconsin. He should have no problems running this offense. Uh, he at least I don't think he should, but we will we'll have to wait until New Year's at 11 a.m. on ESPN two. So we were going to have to wait, uh, but. Play dominant on the line of scrimmage if you're LSU. I'm up front, give Nussmeyer time to throw. Give Garrett Nussmeyer time to throw the ball. Uh, let him hook up with his receivers. Let the let the game plan go and let it flow on offense. And if you're on the defensive line, figure out a way to play clutch on the defensive line uh, against Wisconsin's offensive line. So if you're Wisconsin, it's pretty simple. You force big plays. You make big plays happen. Uh, LSU is known to give up big plays, and I'm talking about big chunk plays. So I would give, I would feed into that weakness, capitalize on their weakness, and give into that, and let and just force big plays on them, create big plays, and let them try to finally stop you. That's how I look at it. If you're Wisconsin in this football game, who wins this game? I think it's going to be a lot closer. Uh, I think it's going to be closer at first, and in the fourth quarter, I think a 10-point win is suffice, but give me LSU to win this game by 10 points. Um, LSU, 35, Wisconsin, 25. I think LSU, 35, Wisconsin, 25. Uh, LSU gets their 10th win, uh, improves to 10-3 and three, uh, consistently in it, uh, trying to build up amongst the elite with Georgia and Alabama and going into the new SEC trying to compete uh, for a championship. They are headed in the right direction. They just need to get some depth on the defensive back side of on the defense on the secondaries. They need to get some some depth on the defensive line, the linebackers, and they need to add some depth at the receivers. The O line, and they need to add some, and they need to add a lot of that depth in those key areas. But not only that, not only that, they have some depth in other spots, which is good. They need to add some more depth. But not only that, they need to change their defensive up. Uh, whether that's get a new coordinator, that's what have you, change your defensive game plan up because you're not going to win a championship with this defense. So uh, hopefully, this is the last time LSU plays defense like this. So LSU ten and three. 
35, Wisconsin finishes their season at 7-6, and six, 25. So 35-25, LSU defeats Wisconsin in the ReliQuest Bowl. The Citrus Bowl, before we head up, hit up the New Year's Six and the playoffs. Iowa versus Tennessee. Now, when you look at this game and you look at everything, uh, it's a tricky game uh, for Tennessee. Very tricky. Uh, it's going to be tough because this Iowa defense is no slouch. Is no slouch whatsoever. So when you look at it, I would say this, and here are the biggest keys. If you're Iowa, you got to make Tennessee one-dimensional on offense. And you, and you take that page out of what Alabama did to them. And I'm talking about uh, shutting down their run game uh, or, or and or shutting down their throwing game and making them run the whole time. Shutting down their throw running game, making them throw the whole time. Make them one-dimensional. Make them not too one-dimensional, but make them one-dimensional enough to where you can try to figure out a way to capitalize and score on your own accord. So make Tennessee one-dimensional uh, and just take a page out of what Alabama did to them in the third Saturday of October a couple of months back. So uh, for, ten- for Tennessee, work with small, then open up. And I mean by that is work with small, then open up to the big plays, uh, small little small slip passes or little or little small runs to open up. Take a little bit of a of a of a small big shot and then boom, hit him right in the mouth. That is what you got to do against his Iowa defense. His Iowa defense is salty enough to catch on to a lot. So if you do stuff like this and weaken them a little bit, you can win the ball game. Who do I have one in this game? I think Tennessee wins this game. I don't think Iowa really has the offensive for higher uh, firepower to score, uh, and they just score with Tennessee and Josh Heupel. So Tennessee wins this game uh, by a score of seventeen seven. I think Tennessee wins seventeen, Iowa seven, and I think that's a suffice score as Tennessee finishes their season nine and four, and Iowa goes to ten and four. Now New Year six going into the college football playoff. This is what we've been waiting for. This is what we've been waiting for all year. First New Year's Six game, Cotton Bowl, Ohio State versus Missouri. 11-1 versus 10-2. Who thought that Eli Drinkwitz and Missouri were going to be in the spot? Come on. Show of hands. I can't see you guys. You, you can see me, though. By show of hands, who thought they were going to be in the spot? I guarantee you, not a single one of you is raising your hand right now because I wasn't raising my hand. I didn't think the I didn't think Missouri was going to be in this spot. I picked Missouri to go six in the East, and they are a New Year's Six Bowl contender, ten and two, only lost to LSU and Georgia. Let me go on and tell you something: magic happened, and Eli Drinkwitz. SEC Coach of the Year, uh, second behind Caleb DeBoer in Coach of the Year. He is, without a shadow of a doubt, a Coach of the Year candidate because he deserves it. He's the man. Eli Drinkwitz turned this program around in one year and turned and saved his job as well. So good on Eli Drinkwitz. That's all I got to say. Good on Eli Drinkwitz. Cotton Bowl, though. For Ohio State, you really got to slow down Cody Schrader. Uh, for Missouri, they're facing a team that is still Ohio State. And Ohio State is a team where you look at them and you're like, okay, they could slow down Cody Schrader if they wanted to, but could they? Cody Schrader, one of the best in the SEC, but one of the best in college football as well, Doak Walker finalist, what he did was unbelievable this season. Uh, Yards per carry, um, 
yards after catch, yards after acceleration, everything with Cody Schrader. He's been a dominant runner for Missouri. Uh, slow down Cody Schrader because he is going to be a big part of their game plan on offense. If you're a, if you're Missouri, you got to force Devin Brown to make mistakes. Uh, you really have to make him make mistakes. He's played a little bit, but not like Kyle McCord. Uh, they may not have Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison may be opting out of this one. So the key player in this one for Ohio State could be Ohio State wide receiver Xavier Johnson. And this is what I've been hearing around. Xavier Johnson, is you can use him in a wildcat spot. You can use him throwing the ball, running the ball. You can use him in multiple different packages on offense. And he is an athlete. So he may be a key factor into winning this Cotton Bowl for Ohio State. Who do I have one in this ball game? I think it's going to be close, and I think Missouri's going to put up a heck of a fight. I still think it's Ohio State. <laughs> and, and and that is how I view it. I still think it's Ohio State. Ohio State's going to win this game close. Uh, I think it's going to be a score of 35-28. Ohio State 35, Missouri 28. Missouri falls to 10-3, and and Ohio State wins the Cotton Bowl at 12-1. And, and Ohio State gets the job done close following an emergence of the running game with Travion Henderson and a little bit of good good quarterback play from Devin Brown. Just enough to get him by. 12-1, and, 12 and one, Ohio State beats Missouri 35-28. to 28. Now, the Peach Bowl. Ole Miss versus Penn State. Intriguing matchup here because of look who you got. I mean, you got a high-power defense, one of the best defenses in college football versus one of the best offenses in college football. Top 15 offense with a top three defense. And it, it's, it, it's pretty... It's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty intense. So, uh, for as I scratch scratch my head here, sorry. As you look at this game and the keys to it, it's going to be very telling on how this game could play out. So, if you're Ole Miss with the defenses they have that Penn State has, you're going to want to protect the football. You're going to want to uh, hold on to the football, secure it, play good ball, and not turn the ball over as much. So, for that reason. I would say if you're Ole Miss, protect the football. Jackson Dart, uh, Quinshawn Judkins, Dayton Wade, Trey Harris, Jordan Watkins, you all need to protect the football. The secondary for Penn State needs to contain those Ole Miss wide receivers. I'm talking about the Dixons, uh, Kobe and uh, Kobe and Kalen Dixon, Johnny Wilson, I mean uh, Johnny Nixon, all those guys. They need to come. They need to. They need to. Cover those receivers. And I think if you put the secondary on their receivers and they contain them, shut them down, Jackson Dart making collapse out of that because he has no one to throw to, Penn State can win this game defensively. So I would think limit the receivers and contain the weapons on Ole Miss's offense, especially those wide receivers. Who wins this ball game? Back and forth. I think Ole Miss can move the ball on them just enough to get the win. Ole Miss does it. I think Ole Miss wins the Peach Bowl, goes to 11-2, and and Penn State goes to 10-3. and Ole Miss wins 42-28. I think Ole Miss 42, Penn State 28. I think it's a 14-point win for Ole Miss, and they get the job done over Penn State. 42-28, Ole Miss defeats Penn State. So, the Fiesta Bowl. 
Da 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 da. The Fiesta Bowl. Let's have a Fiesta. Never do that again, Joel. Is probably what you're saying right now. Never again. Okay, sorry. Liberty thirteen and zero versus Oregon eleven and two. The group of five uh, who we thought was going to go to SMU goes to Liberty. Uh, don't ask me about the reasoning. I don't want to talk about the reasoning. It's aggravating enough talking about the college football playoff committee and everything. It's it's been it's been a whirlwind for me. So Liberty Oregon. Liberty's got this quarterback. I don't know if you heard of him in the Conference USA. His name's Caden Salter. And, uh, yeah, I've heard of him. He's an electric football player. He has had the probably the single best season at, in a, out of a Liberty quarterback ever. And he's done nothing but impress. Um, I think the key to here is if Caden Salter plays like he did in the Conference USA title game, against, like he did against New Mexico State, they have a shot at upset in Oregon here. Uh, Caden Salter put up near 120-plus rushing yards on the ground along with 320-plus passing yards in the air. Uh, if he plays similar like that, Liberty is going to upset Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl and bring home a group of five, another group of five, New Year's Six Bowl win, taking a page out of Tulane's book from last year with USC. For Oregon, you got to out-physical the Flames. I think if you just play physical football, because this is the most physical team that Liberty has played. So if you take it out, you take, if you just do physicality, the finesse, all that, if you just go straight up physical, Oregon can beat Liberty physically. And I think that is the route, if you're Oregon, you take. You're the better team overall. And I think if you do that and play them physically and out physical Liberty, you get the win. Who wins this ball game? I think Oregon wins. I think it's going to be a little bit more lopsided. I think it's going to be uh, Oregon 35, Liberty 14. I think Oregon 35, Liberty 14, uh, and Oregon gets the win over the Flames. Liberty goes to 13-1. Oregon goes to 12-2. and And Oregon gets the Fiesta Bowl win. And Bo Nix and Bucky Irving and Jackson Johnson Power Jackson Powers Johnson goes to the NFL. So Oregon wins 35-14 in the Fiesta Bowl. Three more games. The Orange Bowl. Florida State, Georgia. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Let me just get a sip of water really quick. I apologize. I needed that. A lot of talking. I needed that. So, oh, so let me just start off like this. If you're Georgia, you slow down the run. You slow down the run. Uh, even though Trey Benson has declared for the NFL draft, he's not playing in this Orange Bowl. You, they still have Lawrence to a Philly. If if you just put down Lawrence to a Philly and you slow him down, slow down the run, uh, you dominate him up front. Georgia's going to win the ball game, hands down. They're the better team. Put some pressure on Carson Beck. If you want a shot at winning this ball game, get Jared Verse all over Carson Beck. And if Carson Beck, because I know how he reacts to pressure, he's pretty freaking good at reacting to pressure. But if you pressure him enough to the point where he doesn't know how to react quite well, you may have a shot at pulling off a huge upset here if you're Florida State. Florida State, and this is a big one here. Clear out anything mental heading into this game. Let's forget about the playoff committee and forget about everything. 
you were robbed. We understand that. You were robbed, and you have every right to be upset. There's no wrong decision here, in my opinion. Alabama should be in, but so should Florida State. You were robbed. But let's focus on what we got now. And what you got now is an Orange Bowl game to where you can prove everybody wrong by beating the defending back-to-back national champions in Miami. So, not only that, with a second and or third string quarterback. So, that is the biggest factor that you could get and the biggest, biggest thing that you could get to cap off this season would be a pull off a miracle upset against the back-to-back champions and just forget about the college football playoff committee. Who wins this ball game? It's hard for me to sit there and deny Florida State's defense because Florida State's defense has been quite electric, um, especially in that Louisville game. However, I say this game is going to be close in the second, third, I would say third quarter. I think Georgia, mid to late third, runs away with it and gets the win. You're going to hate me for saying that. You're going to really hate me, guys, for saying that. Are you serious? So, I think Georgia wins. They run away with it. Final score, 38-17. You're going to be like, are you serious? Yes, 38-17. Georgia 38, Florida State 17. I think it's going to be close at first. I think it's going to be 17-17 and a half, and they run away with it. 38-17, Georgia beats Florida State, uh, beats them pretty good and decisively, and goes to 13-1 while Florida State falls to 13-1, and they end both of their seasons. Playoff time. Let's go. A minute and 16, and I'm sorry, an hour and 16. This is the longest episode we've done here, Bowl Frenzy episode for Pigskin Frenzy. So two up, two more games, then we're going to conclude today's episode of Pigskin Frenzy. The Sugar Bowl, Texas and Washington in the Sugar Bowl playoff semifinal. This game's going to be very interesting. Uh, I had both of these teams in. Uh, and I, I think it's going to be an interesting game where it's all about physicality. And I think it's about, honestly, uh, containing the receivers a lot. Uh, for Texas, you've got to contain Washington's receivers. You've got to find a way to stop Roma Dunze, stop Jalen McMillan, stop Jalen Polk, stop, stop Jack Westover. You've got to stop all these guys and slow these guys down. Find a way to contain that. And then not only that, contain Dylan Johnson. He's been in a wrecking ball here late in the second half of the season, and he's going to be a factor in this game. So if you're Texas's defense and what Texas did to y'all, what what, what Washington did to you guys last year, I would watch out for this. And uh, it's an Alamo Bowl rematch. For those of you guys who didn't watch the Alamo Bowl last year, uh, Washington did beat Texas. So Dylan Johnson, Michael Penix, same guys, contain it and do a lot better at slowing them down this year than you did in the Alamo Bowl. That's one. And if you're Texas, or you're if you're Washington, sorry, if you're Washington, you gotta beat Texas physically. Texas is a lot more physical this year than they were last year. A lot more physical, and you gotta be physically challenging. To them, you got to challenge them physically. I think Texas right now presents the most physical challenge against Washington 
so far, besides Oregon, so far up to date, Texas is the most cha- physically challenging football team at Washington in his face. So physicality is going to mean a lot. Who wins this ball game? Who goes to the national championship? I think it's going to be a back-and-forth game. It's going to be the closest game of the playoff. Are you saying, are you serious? Yes, I do. I think down to the wire, 38-35, Texas defeats Washington and goes to the national championship. Sark and Quinn Ewers gets it done. Uh, 38-35, Texas 38, Washington 35. Washington goes to 13-1. Texas goes to 13-1. 13-1 Washington, 13-1 Texas, and Texas defeats Washington 38-35 and goes to the national championship game. And I think Quinn Ewers does enough in this game to pull some of that magic in New Orleans to win a Sugar Bowl but give the, get Texas back to the national championship game. Rose Bowl, last game before we conclude this episode of Pigskin Frenzy, the Rose Bowl playoff semifinal, Alabama versus Michigan. Save the best, save one of the best for last, and I'm going to do this one because I am going to talk about it. No, we're not predicting, predicting the national championship. That that will be in two weeks on Pigskin Frenzy because there will be no episode next Tuesday due to Christmas. So, Alabama, Michigan, New Year's Day, Rose Bowl, semifinal playoff. Questions, just simple questions, not key, really they're key questions, but they're not like what they got to do. Who's going to slow down the run more? That is a big, a big question. Who slows down the run more? Is Alabama is 29th in rushing defense. Uh, Michigan is 5th in rushing defense. you got guys like Jace McClellan out there, Roy Dell Williams who can run the rock, Jalen Milrow, a running threat, along with a, a deep ball threat, a, dual, a true dual threat, who can run the ball and runs like a deer, who can gash you with his legs. So what's Michigan going to do to stop that? On turn, you got a one-two punch combo with Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum who run and run and run until you gas out. So is Alabama's defense going to gas out at the run game of Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum? So it's really who's going to stop the run here more. Uh, who plays better at quarterback? Is it J.J. McCarthy, who is more, who is confident, poised? He's been in this spot before. He has played in semifinal games like this before. Fiesta Bowl last year against TCU, playing in a Rose Bowl in Pasadena against Bama. Confident, is used to it. Three, uh, two, three-time Big Ten champion. Or is it Jalen Milrow? Jalen Milrow, a dual threat who doesn't seem to be afraid of all of it, who's enjoying the moment, coming back next year to Alabama, by the way. He announced that the other day and enjoying everything. And he played a good game against a pretty, pretty much in one of the best teams in college football in Georgia. So who plays better at quarterback? And who is more physical? Who's more physical up front? Who plays physical on the line, on the D line, on, uh, on all O line everywhere? Who plays more physical? Who plays a better brand of physical football in this game? Protecting your blocks, uh, you know, block, blocking correctly, tackling aggressively, you know, just playing physical football. Who wins this ball game? In my eyes, it is. I've said this all year that Michigan is the most complete team in college football. I still believe that wholeheartedly. 
and, and, it's, and one could argue that at one point I said that they were going to win a that could they could win a national championship. And guess what? They win this game, still can win a national championship. But in my eyes, and I said this during the offseason, you count Nick Saban out, you back them into a corner, is the last thing you want to do. Go back and listen to what I said in the summer and during the offseason this past summer and listen to what I said. The last thing you wanted to do was back Alabama into a corner, and the thing that you could have done was leave them out of the playoffs, but you didn't leave them out of the playoffs. Alabama wins this football football game. I think Bama's going to beat Michigan. You're going to think, are you serious? Hyping up Michigan all year. Then you just turn around and go with Alabama. I think Bama wins this football game. I think Bama's going to win by a score of 31-21. I think it's a 10-point win. Alabama 31, Michigan 21. Bama keeps it a little bit medium range to high scoring, plays better on defense, and slows Michigan down more. 31-21, Michigan Goes to 13 and 1. Alabama goes to 13 and 1. And Bama goes to the national championship in a rematch with the Texas Longhorns from week two and an old familiar national championship back from 2010. Guys, that is all we got for Pigskin Frenzy, an hour and 25 minutes now. A big thank you for taking some time out of your. Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some college football coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, like each episode, leave comments down below. Spotify, Podbean, and Apple, all you have to do is, is just share around with others and follow on there as well. Now, X, Instagram, and Facebook, all you got to do is type in Pigskin Frenzy, follow, like the pages there. You'll get episode updates. You will get news and highlights from across college and NFL football. You will get trivia questions on the day's Instagram stories as well as all things of today for Pigskin Frenzy. Guys, we will be back Thursday for an NFL edition of Pigskin Frenzy. Next Tuesday, no episode of Pigskin Frenzy due to Christmas. I hope everyone has a great and lovely Christmas. We will, we should be able to come back here next Thursday after this coming up Thursday's episode of Pigskin Frenzy. Thursday, tune in to the NFL edition of Pigskin Frenzy. I'm Joel Norris signing off. Enjoy Christmas. Enjoy this weekend of football. Enjoy all the bowl games. And guys, please, please, please stay the course.